0: This is a true crime podcast. It contains adult themes and content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. When a guard would stop and talk to you, you used to stand back and you would yell so people could hear what you were saying to that guard as they walked by or, or within the vicinity.
1: But he knew what a convict was going to do before they thought about it himself, themselves. He'd just been around that long and uh, he was tough. They'd find out. Uh, Spocky in about every conceivable place you could imagine, which we would, of course, dump. They'd wait until everybody was locked up, and he would open his door and run down to sell one and get a bugler can full of Spocky and take it back to his cells. She had a kind of a hypnotic power. There were a great many wild cats
2: around the penitentiary, and most people couldn't get near them. But she would
1: stand in the doorway of the cell house and say kitty
2: kitty
0: kitty and those cats would go to her welcome ladies and gentlemen to our first stool pigeon saturday of the new season and we are so thrilled to have in the studio with us uh judy louise buck who is the granddaughter of hattie mccormick who we talked about earlier uh this week so judy louise welcome thank you so much for being here
3: Thank you so much. I'm absolutely delighted. Oh goodness, I
0: this you called us after you got the numbered book, correct? And and we just have been talking ever
3: since and I heard a program on NPR oh. that talked about the book. Okay. So immediately I called and ordered it and went from there. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's just start, start off a little bit. Do you want to tell us like a
0: little bit about yourself and, and, um, your connection, uh, you know, maybe some memories of your grandmother that you have, um, just start there.
3: Well, I am the oldest daughter of one of Hattie's younger children. She had, six children with her first husband and then after that was before prison and then after that she remarried and had three more daughters Mm. so my Mm. mom is the middle daughter fern Mm. and i grew up knowing my grandmother as just this wonderful kind gentle cheerful person and you um we've talked before and you
0: had said that you were not quite old enough to attend her funeral is that right but you have some memories of
3: Right. I think I was, I figured out I was about eight years old. And uh, there were several children that were considered too young to Mm -hmm. go to the funeral. But um, I have uh, had at the time a cousin Mm -hmm. living right near, grandma had a little cottage in Huntington, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And then one of her daughters had a cottage right next to her and, Mm -hmm. and her son was there. So uh, he and I, went out and gathered, and I think some of the other children, too, gathered big bouquets of these wild sunflowers because we knew Grandma loved those and sent those to the cemetery.
0: And so being about eight by the time she died, do you have any distinct memories of of interacting with her? You said, you know, she was very kind and very warm. Are there any other, you know, ways that you, you know, would like to talk about her and
3: memories you have? Well, I remember driving from Boise to go see her, and we could see the big silvery trees in the distance and knew we were getting there close. Um, I remember arriving one time when she was doing laundry and with his big old-fashioned ringer washer and being taught how to pound the release and not get my hands caught in it or my hair <laughs> caught in it or whatever.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. And you called her Grandma Rosie, is that right? Yes.
3: Okay. Her second marriage was to Fritz Rosenloff. And I only just, as an adult, recently the light bulbs came on and Rosie was short for Rosenloff. Oh, okay. It was just kind of Rosenloff was a big handle. Okay. But at that time, it was respectful. We called our grandmothers by Grandma, whatever last name, Grandma Rosenloff. But okay. that was kind of too much. So sure. yeah. she was Grandma Rosie. And I just oh, always so. thought of her in association with that flower. Wow. Right. that's
1: great. <laughs> that's pretty really sweet.
0: Um, all right. So I guess my first question is, is like, how did you find out about the time that she spent in, in prison?
3: There was a family story growing up that when she left her first husband, she'd packed her six children in the buckboard and headed out to Idaho. And then, uh, you know, we were told that she was arrested for Stephen, which seemed reasonable at the time. So then it was not until years later, my mom was on a tour of the historic prison Mm -hmm. and came face-to-face with her mom's mugshot. So then their fuller picture came to light, and we realized that, you know there were newspaper articles and all sorts of information that she'd actually been in prison for a while here in Idaho and the youngest children uh, were at the orphanage here in Boise Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and then the older boys were farmed out I think to another family or their dad had custody of them at some point but I'm not quite sure what their living arrangements were.
1: What a revelation like how did that impact your mom at first? Was she?
3: Well, I you know, she she was the one that told me about the the horse thieving story, uh, and so I think I, I she was shocked, but at yeah. the same time, she was so fascinated by her mom's history and her bravery to leave a husband that in a marriage that wasn't happy for her. Yeah. And, yeah take her children and she we knew that she uh labored doing housekeeping and ironing and laundry and all that to you know they grew up rather poor i remember my mom talking about the excitement of when an older sister got married and invited all the kids that were scattered to Mm. come live with her Mm -hmm. and uh so, you know, she she was into finding out more. Okay. And, and it became a, kind of a source of pride, actually.
1: <laughs> that's Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we've had quite a few that are like, wow, I didn't know this. Yeah. Yeah they, yeah. they love that we have all this documentation mm-hmm. about their family member. Then, you know, I haven't seen a photo of this person in forever. You yeah. know, this is, yeah. and it just happens to be a mugshot, not the oh, most yeah. glamorous photo oh.
3: to have of your loved one, but it's...
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a piece of
3: history. Yeah, for sure. Interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah and you have, um, because because of sort of the interest that your family has taken in, in learning more about Hattie's story, you have some documents that we, as um, as researchers and historians, we do not have access to. Uh-huh. Um, so do you want to maybe share one or two of those that you have that we have not been able to get our hands on, um, just to, to really get that letter especially, I think, really shows – um, the nature of of your grandmother, which is something that we don't get through these, you know, records of their height and their weight, and um, you know, right. the religion they grew up in, and
3: things right. like that. Yeah. So there were three younger children at the orphanage, two of the girls. The youngest one was two years old, mm-hmm. and then her older sister had been admonished to take care of your little sister, and then. And I know at the time, they were doing sewing and tailoring and different things here at the prison. Mm-hmm. So Grandma had opportunity to sew, and she made clothes. So this is a letter that was in the orphanage file, mm-hmm. and it's dated June 7, 1909, Boise. To the matron of the orphan's home, dear madam, I am sending some clothes to the McCormick children. The names of each one are on their clothes. And I want to just point out that the handwriting is beautiful. Yes, it's very yeah. easy to read. It's got a little bit of a flourish to it. Yeah. So, And her sentences are well-formed and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I am also sending each of the little girls a teddy bear, as I promised to get them one some, some time ago, if they would be good little girls. And if it is not asking too much of your kindness... Will you please tell them that their mother has sent the bears and made her promise good at last?
0: (laughs) That's okay. That's
1: so sweet. That is sweet.
3: I will send them some more clothes as soon as I get them made, hoping these will be all right. I remain yours respectfully, Hattie McCormick. And then at the bottom, give my love to my children.
0: Oh, it's that is truly, I think maybe one of the <laughs> sweetest letters that we have connected to any of our inmates because it really, pretty, it yes. just is so sweet. And she's clearly cares for her children and loves them so much. And that's just a side yeah. that, I, because with the female inmates, we get, obviously, a lot of them are mothers, uh, and clearly all of them care and love for their children for the most part. I yeah. shouldn't say all of them, but for the most part, all of them do. And um, But we don't get this opportunity to see that love in writing, in action, mm-hmm. and I I love that letter, and that's thank you so much yeah. for sharing it. It's truly I, wonderful. I mm-hmm. can
1: only imagine she had the same feeling yeah. writing that letter yeah. that you do reading that letter, <laughs> like, oh... <ugh. laughs> That is thank just...
3: you. Yeah. I've read it so many times and I always get emotional. <laughs> I think I'll get through it. You know? yeah. <laughs> That's totally understandable. And it and it
0: is yeah. a, it's a piece of of your family, you know. It's yeah. it, that that memory of that love and that warmth that, you know, you can mm-hmm. get that just through the yes. letter and Yes. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for
3: sharing oh, that. Thank you for the opportunity. And you know what pops into my mind is because of their struggle mm-hmm. there was such a bond in the family mm. and i'm remembering that whenever somebody in that side of the family came to visit mm-hmm. everybody was watching the road and what. and as soon as they arrived People burst out the door to greet them. Big <laughs> hugs, you know. Was like, oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: it's, yeah, that's so it's just a big loving family and someone who got caught in an unfortunate circumstance. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that's a really... I love that. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, oh, thank you too. Um, yeah, are there any other um, records that you would be interested in, in sharing with the audience that you yourself you know want to talk about or because I, I can talk about these on the podcast as well but if there's any that you yourself would like to talk about or share or you know finding them or having you know family find them or whatever that's
3: well I think it's um kind of fun to emphasize that uh grandma had six children with their first husband mm-hmm. she and, and as you've already disclosed in the book uh, numbered um, she was married off as a young girl, mm-hmm. just bev- or about her 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. Then uh, after she was divorced and after her prison term, she met another man, Fritz Rosenloff, mm-hmm. and they had three more daughters. Right. And I I know that they lived part of the time down in Jordan Valley. Mom taught us cowboy songs <laughs> she learned from when they brought in the wild horses and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah. But the, the older children were quite young when, when grandma went to prison. There is a sheet here that lists the six children. The youngest one was only two and a half years old. Wow. And then they went up from there, 11, 11 years old, I think, was the oldest one. Mm.
0: Wow, yeah. sweet. Those are young kids. And yeah. so the oldest kids were with... The father, they were given to his custody, correct?
3: Yes. Now, apparently, there was a... The paper that I have was when their father went back to court. Uh, Hattie okay. originally got custody of all six children. Okay. And then when she had her prison sentence, oh. the father... Went back to court and and he wanted the kids, but they right. agreed to split them. Okay, three and three. So um,
0: and so, even despite the fact that the, the you know the older three went with the father, there still was a very close bond with all oh, all oh, yes. nine of the kids yes. essentially. Okay. Yes, yes, and even
3: growing up, uh, I went with visits with my mom when she visited her older siblings. Wow. Yeah, and some of them were closer than others.
2: Sure. Yeah. In 2021, the Idaho State Historical Society is celebrating 140 years of service to Idahoans as the trusted source in protecting Idaho's historical places and artifacts and sharing its stories. The Old Idaho Penitentiary became part of the Idaho State Historical Society in 1975. As a part of the commemoration, the Old Idaho Penitentiary is committed to bringing you 140 unique stories about the people who worked, lived, and served time at the site through this podcast and the events and programs scheduled throughout the year. The Capturing 140 Storytelling Program offers a unique glimpse at lives filled with hope and despair and the enduring triumphs and tragedies at Idaho's only penitentiary from 1872 to 1973. Stay tuned. Wow.
3: There's one story that's really fun, just to give an idea of the sure. poverty. Two of her older brothers, as young boys, took their wagon around and collected old abandoned batteries. Okay. They figured out how to take them apart and repair them. Wow. And then they resold them. Uh, as adults, they had their own battery factory. Wow. <laughs> wow
1: that's genius that's
0: awesome and i think that was in portland when they they had
3: their battery factory wow wow
1: that's awesome geez do you any idea what the name of the factory was no i don't
0: (laughs) i don't at all um and you mentioned that your grandmother worked uh in oregon and huntington correct yes yes yeah and so you said she worked at the the union pacific railroad
3: yes union pacific has a roundhouse which i don't know if people know what that is but And I don't even know if they do this anymore, but the trains would come in, Uh the engine would go into this gigantic building Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with track through the middle, and they would spin the track Mm -hmm. to turn the engine around, and then it would go back the other way. So uh, the roundhouse was in Huntington, and they had offices there, and Grandma worked at the offices there.
0: Wow. That's, see, that's information that we never yeah. would have known yeah. if Someone we had crossed. not been in, in, if you had not contacted us first. Yeah. So And
3: and she must have been there a number of years. I, I, you know, she was, she was living there when I, when she passed away. Mm. And I remember visiting her there a number of times.
0: Yeah. Wow. And she and her and Franz, I believe was his name. Is that correct? You're, Grandfather's Fritz, Fritz, Fritz. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, they were, they remained married for the, the rest of their lives. They
3: did. Now, he was a sheep herder. Okay. In kind of the Oregon-Idaho borderlands. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't necessarily always around. Okay. Um, he passed away from a fever he had contacted while he was out with his wagon and sheep. And at that time, my mom had gone to nurse's training mm-hmm. and was actually working in one of the hospitals here in Boise. Mm-hmm. And they brought her dad in. So she was with him when he passed wow. away.
0: Yeah. Touching. I, this, like, this picture of Hattie and, and the whole family is really, truly amazing. So, you know, you found, you got in contact with us because of this numbered book that you had heard about on NPR. And so my question is, is you know, what is your opinion on that book, especially given that your grandmother is featured so prominently in
3: it? Well, I was very excited about yeah. it very excited about it and just delighted to share more of my information and see what more you had that would add to our family information Mm -hmm. Uh, it was one of my cousins uh from my youngest aunt Mm. uh, who had uh, done dug a lot of research and got these things that we have and uh, she lived here in Boise area for a while she has passed away now Mm -hmm. and somehow her records have disappeared. Oh, wow. So I kind of have to start over, but I do have some things that she sure. had shared with me earlier on. Oh,
0: wow. So the the numbered book, you did, did you feel like it, it did your, I mean, as far as our records were correct or incorrect, uh, did you feel like it, it really painted her in a fair light?
3: I think so. I, you know, obviously it's very brief for sure. all of the women yeah, of in, in, in there. Um, I think in the book it says she had... Eight children. Mm -hmm. She had actually had nine Mm -hmm. altogether. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm not sure which one might have been Mm -hmm. left out of the records. But I do know that the older girl, Ethel, died when she was Mm -hmm. younger. Mm -hmm. Uh, But maybe as a teenager, I'm not real sure sure about that so maybe she's the one that's left out of the count. yeah i I don't know yeah yeah
0: yeah. and it could be just because i think in the later years what we may have found was a census and if she had died you know in her teenage years that then she would be missing from that count so we do apologize for that that error but
3: i it's just totally all right it's so easy to It's difficult to get real accurate information when you're digging back through, and even some of the official records don't Mm -hmm. all agree with each other, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love the book in that it gave such a, uh, what do I want to say, the background, the environment, the whole flavor of the time, and the struggle that women were going through. We knew grandma had a struggle, Uh but it was like, that wasn't unusual for women at the time, and to... Be on the street as children, mm-hmm. and to be struggling to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the crimes of the women were basic survival mm-hmm. crimes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, at a time when women were barely getting their rights about anything. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, she valid.
0: came in before women could even vote, which is so hard especially for someone my age to imagine where that you know my grandmother and my mother and you know we've all always had the right to vote and so to to imagine that that you know your grandmother lived in a time where women didn't have the right to vote is crazy to me yeah um that was not that long ago 100 years is not long ago it really wasn't that long ago (laughs) um (laughs) yeah yeah, well thank you we had such a good time working on um, getting to know all of these women and, and Mm -hmm. so excited when this book came out and, and Anthony and and everyone who worked on it did such an amazing job and thank you for buying it and and reading it. And uh, especially with your, you know, some, I think it would be easy for some families to, to get perhaps offended or, or be a little bit more sensitive about the fact that their grandmother was featured so prominently, but, but thank you for, you know, for reaching out to us to talk to us about it.
3: You are so welcome, and thank <laughs> you. I'm, I'm totally delighted yeah. to connect with you both.
0: So I guess one um, one other question, only because you know your mother went through this, and, and I think, like Anthony has mentioned, this is something that actually happens quite frequently, is is there any advice that you might give to other people who come into the site and then stumble upon their family members? Is there anything that you might want to tell them or give advice about, or do you have anything that you would suggest?
3: Uh, well read numbered (laughs) 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 because it'll give you a more compassion for what they struggled with Mm -hmm. so it will help you maybe not be so offended by it and if you have these bits of information in your family share it and talk about it Mm -hmm. I think there are uh, a few people in our family who were offended Mm -hmm. when they found out but I think that's because they didn't maybe have the stories, the background Mm -hmm. stories, even growing up. Mm -hmm. And their first discovery was looking at a portfolio Mm -hmm. of beautiful portraits of grandma, and then here's her mugshot. And it's like, they were so shocked, you know. They just really had a hard time knowing what to do with that. So I think it's important to... Share the information, share the possibilities, and just be so proud of them for surviving all that mm-hmm. and carrying on. Yeah,
1: yeah that's it. Yeah. Still being good mothers and grandmothers. Yeah. and
3: Absolutely. Despite
1: this setback yeah. coming to an institution.
3: Absolutely. Like because if anybody else is discovering that, mm-hmm. obviously they're descendants. Right. right. So right. <laughs> something yeah. good happened after. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, uh, was uh, was your grandmother? Because you know, you had the rumor that she was. You knew at one point she was in jail. Right. Um, was she, as far as you or your family knows, was she somewhat open to talking? About, like, if she was asked about it, would she talk about it, or was it kind of like hush hush in your family that she had been kept in in jail or prison?
3: Uh, I never uh, was aware of of a discussion with Grandma about mm-hmm. it. I just knew my mom you know I was the oldest child so there were times when mom would just share these things with Mm, me and it was kind of matter of fact and I assumed everybody else knew Uh and it was no big deal it was Mm -hmm. just kind of you know it was like yeah grandma (laughs) packed up six kids and split you know she knew how to drive the team (laughs) right right (laughs) And and the
0: rumor was that she she had steal stolen the horses from her husband as she was leaving. Is that well the, what the rumor? I, you know,
3: at that time the property all belonged to right, the man. Of course. So if she ran off with it, that was right. not cool. Which, but yes, good for her for doing that. <laughs> oh, well, awesome! And um, I don't know if she if that actually happened, sure, or right, if that sure. was just kind of the cover story, right? Even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. She she obviously left her husband and later got a divorce. Course, you know, yeah. but, which even in itself was a big deal, right? Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 1910s. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. yeah. Um, uh,
1: any tips on researching family members? A lot of people they like to do their own ancestry. How how have you gone about doing that sort of thing?
3: Well, I uh, really have intentions. I'm I'm just technically crippled in the oh. new age but but you know there are uh, ancestry websites and I have a couple of friends who have done a lot of research for me what I've also realized is a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. so if you have details about your family like you know I remember my aunts mm-hmm. when the when the census rec- and and you can look at all the census you can look at military records you can look at death and birth certificates mm-hmm all of that is available to look at so then you can put those pieces together with your own story Mm -hmm. and and figure it out and and i even realized uh one of the the three youngest girls fuchsia fern and ellen Mm -hmm. in one of the census or as a result of one of the census records Fuchsia's called Tertia, mm. and it was never her name. Right. And somebody even assumed that she must have had a twin. No, I remember her. There was oh, no wow. twin. Huh. Uh, but as I look at the actual census record, mm. I can see where that F yep. could have been. A, looked like a T, etc., cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I can, yes. I can see the handwriting because it was somebody's personal handwriting. Right. And even if they got ages a little mixed up, be, and sometimes I worked on the census. Sometimes the person isn't home, they go to the neighbor. The neighbor mm-hmm. might not know exactly who's older than whom. Sure. Yeah. So, so research all those things and trust your own insights about it. And then, you know, what I hope to do further is help kind of correct some of those records and, yeah. and get this. And, and uh, at some point, we'll have our own family albums that yeah. will include yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Absolutely
0: yeah that's a really good point and that's i guess the neighbor aspect is something that i had never considered because you know we go through ancestry records all the time to try to get any sort of backstory on our inmates and and that the, you know the census records are so um confusing and contradicting a lot of the times and yeah. and so i never would have even thought to think that they would have gone to neighbors mm-hmm. to ask and that you mm-hmm. know the neighbors are like i don't know they've got kids yeah. uh, maybe right. their name is this <laughs> right so right. that's that's a really good point and yeah. Definitely some very good advice because, you know, we all have those family stories that they're not going to ever appear in public record. And and they really, like we've seen, have really added to to their story. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely.
3: Well, I just love this opportunity. And there have been times in my life where I felt like my grandmother was watching over me. Mm. I raised two children as a single mom. And there were times when it was a real struggle. And I definitely... Her story inspired me wow. and and gave me courage when wow. maybe I would have given up otherwise, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Well, mm. this has been awesome. Yeah, this it's been really so nice. has Thank been you. so great and so fun
0: to learn more about Hattie um, outside mm-hmm. of of like I said, sort of those those cold prison records that we right. have where it's yeah. just these are the facts and that's it so right. yeah um thank you so much for driving all the way out here I mean yeah. uh, you came from Buell is that right
3: near Buell I near live, Buell. I live okay. out in the country near, okay near Buell yeah
0: yeah so thank you for coming all the way out here on, okay. a, on a Tuesday morning yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah it's been such a such a pleasure to have you here thank you
3: so much <laughs> thank you for this opportunity it's just been it's wonderfully exciting and yeah. i my daughter had hoped to be here. Mm-hmm. She's been very much into her grandmother's sure. history and stuff mm-hmm. too and and uh, yeah. not able to make it yeah. today, but anyway she's in California so oh, she had okay. to stay home. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Nice. Oh, thank you too. It's <laughs> yes, wonderful and, and I yeah. admire the work that you're doing. oh here. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah.
0: So we always like to close out our podcast when, with a certain phrase and you haven't listened yet so you don't don't quite know. It. So if I were to say do your own time, how how do you think you would finish that sentence?
3: Ooh, that i don't know i have to think about <laughs> that one do your own time If you were in prison what would mean the most to you Yeah. do that
0: okay perfect <laughs> that's great all right well
1: excellent everybody do your own time do your own number i'll see you next week oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you that was
0: If you enjoyed Behind Gray Walls, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Not only do we get to hear your feedback about the show, but it helps others find us as well. If you're interested in finding out more about the podcast and to see mugshots of the inmates featured in today's episode, follow our Facebook group at Behind Gray Walls Podcast. And new this season, we have a podcast Instagram as well. You can find us on Instagram at Behind Gray Walls Pod.